there's also a picture of William Allen White with his uh, friend and political uh, hero, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, where Teddy Roosevelt looks like a tall man. <laughs> Always amazes me because Teddy wasn't very tall. <laughs> no. <laughs> he does make William Allen look really small. He does, he does. <laughs> Assistant Curator Merle Riedel, and you're listening to an October 24th, 2007 podcast from the Kansas Historical Society. In this podcast, museum staff reveal the story behind the story about artifacts featured on the Cool Things section of our website, kshs.org. I wish I would have met you. This week, we return to Emporia, Kansas, for the second half in our two-part series dedicated to author and Kansas native William Allen White. This mover and shaker from the early 20th century won a Pulitzer Prize and ran for state governor, but it was his friendships for which he was best known. Today, we examine a jaguar skin rug given to White from possibly his closest chum, President Theodore Roosevelt. This was no ordinary rug, though. Roosevelt shot this Jaguar personally before he embarked on a near-fatal journey through the South American jungle. That's why I see him in There was nobody White didn't know, and we proved that again this week when we play another round of Six Degrees of William Allen White, Election 2008. This week, we connect White to Joe Biden, the clean-cut, well-spoken senator from Delaware. But first, Michaela and I finish our tour of William Allen White's historic home in Emporia, Kansas. Last episode, site curator Nick Gronseth took us through the first floor. This week, we ascend to the second for a more personal look at the life of Kansas' most famous editor. steps. Nice rugs. Very Persian looking. And here's a, this is a painting at the top of the steps and it's quite large. It is. Who is the figure in the painting? Uh, That is Sally Lindsay White, William Allen White's wife. And it was painted in about 1902 by Mr. Griffith of Emporia. And there's a companion piece to this painting, correct? There is. Uh, Mr. Griffith also painted a, a William Allen White at the same time, and it's down at the Gazette office. The Gazette's the newspaper he ran, and yes. it's in the office. Mm-hmm. That's pretty neat. It's nice. A little dark. It and is. we should mention yeah. that if we've inspired you to love William Allen White, <laughs> and you'd like to give us a couple thousand dollars, yes. we're trying to get this painting conserved. That would so. be great. Okay, so we're, we are in the... Um, the guest bedroom? Uh, master bedroom. Master bedroom. And there is a big four-poster bed in the middle of it. There is. What's up with the four-poster bed? Well, it was uh, William and Sally's when they were first married, and they gave it to their daughter, Mary, when she was a child. But uh, what's very cool about it, it is the presidential bed. That is where the supposed six presidents who would have visited William Allen White would have slept. Not all at the same time. No, no, not all at separate times, but yes. Uh-huh. So there were six presidents uh-huh. visited him and slept in this guest bed, mm-hmm. in this guest bed. And those presidents would have been uh, Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, best buddies. Exactly. Uh, William Howard Taft, 
uh, Woodrow Wilson, uh, Warren Harding, Calvin Coolidge, and Herbert Hoover. Impressive. Mm -hmm. And now we are in the den or the office. Um, so if I can describe it visually, it's there's a lot of wood. I mean, the, it's a it's a hardwood floor. There's wood trim around the windows, um, and it's surrounded by bookcases. It's very scholarly feel, scholarly feeling in here. And there's also uh, photographs all over the wall. And who are some of the characters? Some of the people in the photographs? Um, there's a lot of scenes of William, uh, Sally, and their children. Um, but there's also a picture of William Allen White uh, with uh, Albert Einstein. Yeah. Uh, they were both in Harvard. They got uh, honorary degrees from Harvard in the 30s. Um, there's also a picture of William Allen White with his uh, friend and political uh, hero, Teddy Roosevelt. Nikayla uh, is standing next to a desk here, and the desk um, has some significance. It does. It was one of the three that William owned. Um, I've been told that that's the desk that uh, he wrote the What's the Matter with Kansas editorial, which made him famous, uh, and also his To an Anxious Friend editorial that he won a Pulitzer Prize for. So, so he was writing uh, a Pulitzer Prize winning editorial on this desk. Yes, that's, mm -hmm. that's pretty amazing. If you would like to learn more about the William Allen White House State Historic Site and its amazing contents, go to our website, kshs.org, and click on Visit State Historic Sites. If you'd like to help restore the painting of Sally White to her original glory and omnipresent gaze, send an email to podcasts at kshs.org for more information. Now, join Assistant Registrar Nikayla Zimmerman and I in the den of White's Emporia home as we examine a jaguar skin rug shot by a president and given to White's 14-year-old son. Hello, Nikayla. Okay, so we're going to talk about the jaguar rug that you wrote your last Cool Things article about. That's right, a very impressive jaguar rug. Yeah, we are, we should let people know, we are podcasting from the den of the William Allen White House in Emporia, Kansas. Right, and Emporia is located in roughly southeast Kansas, small town. Right, and this is where it all happened. Right, and we're in the den yeah, William, cool. of the William Allen White House. Okay, so your article is about a, a gift from Teddy Roosevelt to William Lindsay White, a Jaguar rug. Correct. How did William Lindsay White know President Teddy Roosevelt? Well, William Lindsay White, uh, he received the rug in roughly 1913. And he would have been a young boy at the time, probably 13 to 14 years old himself. And he met Teddy Roosevelt through his father, William Allen White, who was the local newspaper editor in Emporia, but he was much more than that. Um, he was a well-known writer himself. He had wrote um, he wrote several books that sold pretty well. He was an editor, uh, and he sort of consulted with multiple um, pretty well-known authors of that time period. And he was really active in the Republican Party. And he became active in the Republican Party after writing what was probably his most famous editorial and What's the Matter with Kansas. And it's an editorial that rails against the Populist Party. And Republicans in that time period, there was an election in 1896. They picked it up and they ran with it. And that, and that article was published all over the United States. Roosevelt, or I'm sorry, so White became sort of the pop star of the Republican Party. And thus, um, another active member in the Republican Party at that time, although far from being a president, he was still um, pretty active, was a Teddy Roosevelt. And he wanted to meet uh, William Allen White. They met. They became really good friends. 
Roosevelt would often come to Emporia, to this small town, to visit the Whites. He liked them a lot, and he built really good relationship with them. He felt the Whites were sort of down-home folk. Roosevelt also liked kids a lot, which was the, would thus sort of explain the relationship to a young William Lindsay. He probably uh, played with the kid a lot. So... A jaguar rug as a gift kind of suggests that maybe Teddy Roosevelt had an interest in nature. Um, what sparked that interest? Well, Teddy Roosevelt is, you know, today he's probably best known as a conservationist and as someone who was really interested in wildlife. And that was a life ambition for him. Um, and in fact, it started when he was, when he was really young. Um, Roosevelt was from uh, a really wealthy family in New York. He was born in 1858. Um, and his family had made a lot of money from the importing industry. Um, and his father, Theodore Roosevelt Sr., he, was, um, he really demanded that his kids be well-educated. So he uh, really encouraged that young Teddy learn a lot at an early age. Um, Teddy was also kind of a sickly child a little bit. He had some asthma. He spent a little time, he was isolated. Um, so I think... He got interested in nature because it was something he had access to. He could go out in the backyard and he could pick up lizards. Um, he could go out and, you know, just check things out in nature and he became really interested in it. He himself, in, his, uh, in, his, in some of his uh, works that he wrote, he attributed his early interest in nature to an experience he had as a young boy. He said he was, he was talking about walking up Broadway in New York and he passed through a market. Um, and while he was going through there, he came across a, a dead seal on a slab. And for some reason, this seal really fascinated him. He asked where it came from, and somebody told him it came from the harbor. Well, as the story goes, Roosevelt would come back like every day, and he would bring with him a tape measure, and he would measure the seal, and he was actually sort of documenting its deep, deep his its decomposition. Wow. You know, which seems a little odd, but he was really interested in how nature worked and how sort of the life cycle of animals. Um, he became a big game hunter, which, you know, we think about today, you know, maybe not such a great thing. But in his time period, those were the people that were really interested in wildlife. And those were the people that wanted to preserve it was the ones that went out and enjoyed and hunted in it. Mm -hmm. um, so that would explain, I mean, he went on safaris through Africa, and he would go lion hunting. I mean, he was an expert in large North American mammals. He himself was, a, was, a, was an accomplished um, bird watcher. He had identified birds his whole life. He was writing scientific books about animals that were actually published at a really young age. I mean, we're talking, I think, maybe 17, 18 years old, he had wrote some books about bird watching that got published. Um, so Roosevelt collected specimens on family trips that he took um, when he was a child. Uh, where did his family travel and what did he gather? Um, they went all over. They went through uh, France and England. They traveled around the Mediterranean. They saw um, ancient Roman ruins. They traveled through Egypt. Um, Teddy was fascinated with the Egyptian pyramids. Um, so they went all over and collected specimens from all over. And specimens as in, you know, he would pick up you know, pebbles from maybe some ruins, or sometimes he would bring home some birds when, you know, when they were in France. And then what did he do with these collections? Well, it's kind of funny. One thing that Roosevelt and apparently two of his cousins, they were all sort of interested in nature, and, um, and they decided to establish a fictional Roosevelt Museum of Natural History. 
So this is a museum a couple of kids established. <laughs> Not necessarily a three-dimensional structure, but you know it's basically the collection, the things they're picking up. And they're doing this for the Roosevelt Museum of Natural History, <laughs> which is really interesting because a lot of this stuff that he collected at a really young age, he held on to for a long time. And eventually it ended up in the collection of the American Museum of Natural History in New York City, which makes sense because Roosevelt's father, Roosevelt Sr., was one of the founding members of that group. Okay, so the trips that Roosevelt made continued throughout his life. Um, and you mentioned earlier that he collected this one on a trip to the Amazon, this jaguar. Right. Um, why was the trip that Roosevelt made to the Amazon with his son Kermit in 1912 considered so dangerous? Yeah, it was really dangerous. But before I'll get to that, I'll give you a little background, and, and maybe that will help understand why he was on this trip. Okay. Um, so at 42 years old, Roosevelt was the youngest man to ever become president. Um, he wasn't elected then. He, he, he assumed the position after McKinley was assassinated. Mm -hmm. And so he finishes out McKinley's term, and then he runs for a second term. His presidency ends in 1909. And Roosevelt says, I'm only going to do two, two terms. I'm not going to do three. So his protege, Taft, um, wins the next election and serves until 1912. And Teddy's not happy with the way that Taft was running things, so he decides to run for a third term, which you could do back then. Mm -hmm. um, the only problem was the Republican Party had already had their candidate in Taft, and they um, were not backing Roosevelt. So Roosevelt starts his own party, the Bull Moose Party, essentially splits the Republican vote, Republicans lose, Wilson wins, um, and everybody blames Teddy. Um, so it was a really painful defeat for him. Poor Teddy. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it was a little disappointing for him. Teddy, as a child, again, um, was asthmatic. And he promoted what was called the, strenu the strenuous life, was that you could improve yourself by continually facing challenges. So what does Teddy do after he loses that 1912 election? He goes out looking for some way to redeem, redeem himself through a hardcore challenge. Or and, a death wish. <laughs> or a death wish. And so um, he finds a challenge in um, a plan to uh, take a scientific expedition up a river in the Amazon in South America. I don't know how to say this, but, you know, sometimes a president is associated with doing a really, a really dangerous task. But, you know, it's not always dangerous because it's a president and they're sort of, they sort of live in this bubble. Mm -hmm. Well, this trip down the Amazon um, was not done in a bubble. It was quite literally extremely dangerous. And the only reason I think that they really went on this trip is because they didn't necessarily know what they were getting into. Mm -hmm. So Roosevelt goes on this trip. He invites his son Kermit. Um, I think a lot of that was because they were traveling buddies. Earlier they had went on a safari through Africa together. Kermit was also working in South America at the time. He was a naturalist oh. himself. So they were going on through uncharted waters. And mind you, there was no communications. Um, they couldn't radio for help. Um, they were going down a river that was piranha infested. Um, they were going through tribes that were dangerous. Some of them were cannibals. Cannibals? Yeah. So, and they had, and the thing was, is like I said, they didn't know how dangerous it was because they really had sort of one idea of this, you know, pleasant trip down, down this river and it ends up being quite different. So they, they were sort of ill-equipped for the whole trip. They didn't necessarily have enough food supplies. And another problem was malaria and disease. So it was quite literally a dangerous, dangerous trip. And Roosevelt actually contracts malaria while they're on the trip. He's serious. He almost dies. But his son, Kermit, you know, his goal is to make sure his father... I mean, it was a harrowing, miserable, <laughs> horrible journey. There was a murder on the journey. Someone drowned. Um, so finally, they make it through the trip. 
Uh, Teddy almost dies, but he makes it. And, you know, he never actually um, completely recovered. And some attribute his death a couple years later to some of the events that happened while he was on that trip. And you think that the Jaguar that um, he gave to William Lindsay may have been shot at the beginning of that trip in the right. Amazon. Right. So that's actually still sort of in the pleasant phase of the whole trip. They, <laughs> Pre-malaria. Right. Pre-malaria. They, they stopped at a couple points, gave some public addresses, and they and there was one before the trip actually began. They go out to one of the local ranches um, where it's sort of a sporting game ranch, and they go out... Um, uh, they're out looking around, and they basically go out jaguar hunting, big game hunting, which mm-hmm. was what they had done in Kermit and Roosevelt had done done while they were on safari in Africa. And so they're out there, and they end up and in his journal because Roosevelt, I mean, he was a scientist, so he kept a journal through the whole thing. And one of the entries in the journal, uh, he talks about him and his son Kermit go jaguar hunting, and they shoot two jaguars. And I think that the jaguar that is here was one of those that was shot while they were on trip, while they were on. While they were about to begin this perilous, miserable journey through the Amazon rainforest. That's an incredible story for that. It's really amazing. And the only thing I can't, I mean, one of the things I can't clarify is, is whether, um, the Jaguar, cause he also writes about the fact that, um, some of the scientists that were with him that night, they ate Jaguar meat mm, and, um, those scientists, uh, cleaned the hide. And, and so what I can't clarify is whether the Jaguar continued on for the rest of the trip with them or if it was packed up and shipped back home, um, possibly even shipped straight here. I don't know. Well, that is interesting. That leads me to my next question. Uh, right now, the Jaguar looks like maybe he's seen better days. He's a little rough. Um, Poor taxidermy or one too many games of pin the tail on the puma? <laughs> Probably a little bit of both. <laughs> I, I would imagine that those those some of his partners that cleaned the hide when they were there, um, I have a feeling once it came back that Teddy Roosevelt probably taxidermied himself because it has some signs of some almost amateur. Some things aren't quite right proportion. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some weird material used. I don't think it's your standard taxidermy job. And I think that Roosevelt probably did it himself and then gave it to a young William Lindsay. So, um, and it's looking a little rough indeed because, yeah. because you know, you give it to a, to a 14 year old kid. Well, yeah. What's he going to do? He's going to sit on it. He's going to play, gonna play on it, play safari, <laughs> bring his friends over and show it. So that's probably why it looks so rough. So a little combination of the two. Based on what you've told us about Teddy Roosevelt's personality, it seems to me that a Jaguar rug is the perfect gift for him to give to a 14 year old boy. I'm now curious about what other presidents might give to their admirers. So I'll name the president and you tell me the gift. Okay. All right, okay. you ready? George Washington. Well, George Washington, I think he would probably, maybe he could give away some teeth. Mm-hmm. The originals, because they were probably just laying around somewhere. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't using them. Well, he's not, obviously, they're in a museum now, so okay. <laughs> right. Uh, James Madison. I like to think that James Madison would probably hand out a pocket version of the Constitution. Yeah. You know, he wrote the dang thing, put a lot of work <laughs> into it. Maybe not understanding why more people aren't reading it. He'd probably hand out pocket versions. Because, see, my first inclination was the Dolly Madison you know, connection. And she seems to have a monopoly on dessert cakes. So I thought right. maybe prepackaged desserts. Right. Yeah. So just to clarify that, I don't know if this Dolly Madison, Dolly Madison <laughs> is an internationally known cookie. But there's a cookie factory here in Emporia, Kansas named Dolly Madison. Right. Possibly after the president's wife. Or not. But, it, you know, 
It's a good. It's good for a joke, right? Right. Okay, Dwight Eisenhower. Dwight Eisenhower. I think he would pass out little silver stars associated with the general rank because he's got more than most. That's true. So he's got some extras to hand out. To spare. And I want you to keep it clean. Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. I don't think you can keep it clean. I'm going to guess that he... Two, uh, two potential objects he should pass out. Uh, a cigar. Uh-huh. Or maybe a, a small blue dress. Yeah? Not properly dry clean. There seem to be a lot of those laying around the White House in there. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, Merle, for telling us about the Jaguar rug. It's time for another round of Six Degrees of William Allen White, Election 2008. And helping me today is Sarah Miller, Museum Registrar. Price. And, <laughs> and I'm sorry, Sarah Price, uh, Museum Registrar, and Nikayla Zimmerman, Assistant Museum Registrar. It is Zimmerman, right? Uh, it is Zimmerman. Okay. Yes. Uh, this week's challenge was to connect William Allen White to Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., or Joe Biden, a senior senator from the state of Delaware and a 2008 Republican presidential candidate. Sarah, I believe you have a solution. Yes, this solution comes from Nick in Emporia, Kansas. Joe Biden, the senior senator from Delaware, was part of the Biden-Gelb plan for Iraq to set out on a new, st- a new strategy in Iraq. The other man helping formulate the strategy was Leslie Gelb, President Emeritus of the Council on Foreign Relations. Gelb won a Pulitzer Prize for explanatory Mm -hmm. journalism (laughs) for his six-part series on the Strategic Defense, our Star Wars program, in 1986. That's a good read. William (laughs) Allen White also won a Pulitzer Prize in journalism for his 1922 editorial, To an Anxious Friend. Therefore, Joe Biden is connected to William Allen White through Leslie Gelb, both of which are fellow Pulitzer Prize winners. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. That was a brainy answer. So that was done in four degrees, from Biden to the Biden-Gelb plan, to to Leslie Gelb, to Pulitzer Prize, to William Allen White. Actually, that's five degrees. Okay, so with that in mind, uh, Nikayla, you want to give us an update on the election tally so far, because remember, we all agreed that the best candidate for president would have the closest connection to William Allen White. That's right. And currently, we have a three-way tie with Obama, Hills, or Hillary Clinton, and McCain all having four links in the chain, and Fred Thompson and Joe Biden with five. So, Sarah, um, you want to give us our next challenge for the next episode? Sure. The next challenge is to connect William Allen White to Ron Paul, a Texas congressman and Republican Party candidate. Not to be confused with (laughs) RuPaul. (laughs) All right. So if you have a solution, just send that to podcasts at kshs.org. That is podcasts with an S. That concludes episode 40, Teddy's Jag. Come back in two weeks when museum director Bob Keckeisen tells us about a uniform worn by a man that guarded prisoners while they made soap, mined coal, and manufactured bricks. Did this man bear witness to the rise of the modern prison industry? Finally, if you're tired of phony horror houses on Halloween, step inside the museum on October 27th for Haunted History. We'll lead you by flashlight through our darkened galleries and give you the real stuff. Murder weapons, violent tales of Civil War carnage, and gut-wrenching disease. 
For more details, go to our website at kshs.org. This podcast is a production of the Kansas Historical Society.